While we are all enjoying this weather, we all know winter is coming. Efficiency Vermont has a great new offer that can help you make your home more comfortable and save money on your energy bills. When you work with an Efficiency Excellent Network contractor, you can now get 75% off the cost of your weatherization project, up to $2,000 or $5,000 back, depending on household income. Learn more at efficiencyvermont.com slash HP. She'll be helping me translate with some of the family today. She is a family in need that from Ukraine. So she'll be helping me translate with that with some of our families. I appreciate it. Great. Great. From VT Digger, I'm Riley Robinson. This is the Deeper Dig. I'm going to show them the building. Yeah. Yeah. A quick walk through. <laughs> Give it a nickel tour. Yeah, let's tour. do it. We'll, we'll start from the front and work our way back. Hey, Ethan. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Riley. I was wondering if a good place to start would be, who are the Shapovalovs? Well, the Shapovalovs, at least as they are in the United States, are a family of eight, six kids. Um, their okay. oldest son is still in Ukraine. I met uh, many of them. The kids were running around, the younger kids. Um, but I spent time with uh, primarily Sasha, uh, who's uh, 21 and, and speaks the best English in the family. I um, mean, she helped translate for her mother, also named Sasha, but that's a nickname for Oleksandra. Their father, his name's Dimitro, but he went by Demo. This is Dima. This is, he's from Ukraine. He's a, he's a, he was a pediatrician in Ukraine. Yes, so but now I would build it. <laughs> it's all right. He was laying on his back in a half-finished shower. Sasha's already finished college in Ukraine. Um, one of their older sons, Yakov, just celebrated his 18th birthday on Lake Willoughby. They also have adopted children from Ukraine with disabilities. And so they're, they're a big family. They're a family of faith. Their Christianity is important to them. They were able to support their neighbors a little bit during Russian occupation. You know, what's been surprising about being in Vermont? I get the, the maple syrup in everything. <laughs> and everybody, every day, keeps telling me about terrible, horrible winter that is coming soon and it will be more than half a year. <laughs> and you're not looking forward to it. <laughs> no, we're looking forward to for snow because we didn't have a lot of snow in our region. Just a little for a short period of time. They lived in a small village called Skelki. I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, but it's along the Dnipro River in Ukraine, which has become a hub for fighting. And we felt that we are like pretty safe because we are not in the big city, we are in the village and near us the nuclear station and they won't bomb it because it's dangerous for them as well and for whole Europe and we didn't expect that they will shoot it. This is Sasha. For a few days the battles was near our village, maybe a few weeks around our village and we the nuclear station that Sasha is talking about is Zaporizhia Nuclear Power Plant, the largest nuclear power station in Europe. Russian forces seized control of the site in March, but the power plant is still very much on the front lines. 
So tell me, how did the Shapovalov family come to be living in Derby, Vermont? They spent 40 days in Russian occupation before they eventually made it to Ukrainian-controlled territory. Occupied territory. And it was hard to live in occupied territory, realizing that you don't have police, army, no, like nobody to, knows. Stores are closed, the pharmacy are closed. Uh, empty, yeah. Empty, uh, you can go to the bank because it's empty too. Hospitals you have not, cards, uh, but you can't use them anywhere. We didn't know that on our streets the tank the tanks will go uh, will go and that will become refugees. We didn't plan to move to USA. Со всем, что мы нажили за нашу жизнь с рюкзачками в Но мы сюда приехали, мы хотим быть полезными этому государству, где мы сейчас живем. И никто из нас не знает, что с ним будет завтра. Sasha, Alexandra, Yakov, and Dimo, and the rest of their family are eight people out of millions who have been displaced from their homes since Russia invaded Ukraine in February. Over the past six months of war, more than a third of Ukrainians have been forced to flee their homes, according to data from the United Nations. The UN estimates that more than seven million people have been displaced to other areas within Ukraine and more than 6 million people have become refugees in other European countries. About 150,000 Ukrainian refugees have come to the United States. So they didn't try to leave just once. It took a number of attempts for them to finally get to safety. As, as Sasha told it to me, there would be these instances when uh, I think she called it a, a green corridor or they would get the green light to to start to make their way out of town. Basically, both both sides would say there'd be a, a momentary ceasefire in order to allow citizens to head to safety. And they would board school buses with, you know, many other people from the area. But ultimately, the fate of those school buses was in Russian hands. So just because they'd heard that um, they'd be allowed to leave, that wasn't necessarily the reality. Um, they mentioned a time when Russian soldiers with, you know, big machine guns ultimately forced the bus to turn around. And on our third try, we were sitting for seven or eight hours on the front lines. Eventually, they made it out. Today, the Shapovalov family is living in Derby, in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom, just miles from the Canadian border. They're all part of this project called House of Mercy, where they've converted a shuttered nursing home into housing for several families escaping the war. A number of these families have children with disabilities. House of Mercy was put together by Teresa and Scott Cianciolo from Albany. The Cianciolos founded Agape Ministries, a Christian nonprofit, in 2004. 
Teresa wears a lot of hats. Her her academic specialty is in working with children with developmental disabilities, and she has spent several years in and out of Ukraine teaching uh, at a number of universities, uh, working with uh, the Ministry of Education in Ukraine to uh, teach them about inclusive education. She also uh, is a founder and runs a religious nonprofit with her husband, Scott, um, called Agape Ministries out of the Northeast Kingdom. Scott was a pastor before they moved to Ukraine full-time. They just, they seem like the kind of people who uh, they really believe in more the merrier. I guess they, they have a big um, a big house that used to be a school, and so they have a lot of bedrooms there. They've, they've, an adopt, they've adopted an older adult with autism. They have their two twin sons who they adopted from Odessa in Ukraine who have Down syndrome. So uh, Agape Ministries, they've been um, hosting some summer camps primarily for children with developmental disabilities, um, as well as uh, some adults. Did the Ciencielos have ties to Ukraine previously? Was there a reason they wanted to go there to adopt? Teresa mentioned that uh, Ukraine has one of the highest populations of orphans. There's a lot of disabled children in Ukraine's orphanages. Um, and I think that that was something that called to uh, Scott and Teresa. That being said, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure why Ukraine, but I do know that, you know, when the Ciencielos first adopted their sons from Odessa uh, in, the, in the late aughts, that was the beginning of their longer connection to Ukraine. They, they felt a special connection to the place. Our heart has always been Ukraine, and we cannot be in Ukraine like we want, but we can bring Ukraine here. In the months and weeks leading up to the invasion, um, the Cienciolos had increasing pressure from the U.S. government to head back to the U.S. And by then, the U.S. our embassy was screaming to get us to get out. Like, mm-hmm. every other day, alerts, like these horrible loud alerts at 4 in the morning. And they said, if you don't get out in the next week, we're not going to guarantee you a commercial flight. Ultimately, fearing the war that eventually came, uh, they headed back to Vermont. So I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. But how did these two families, Scott and Teresa Cianciolo and the Shapovalovs, all know each other? The Shapovalovs first found out about the Cianciolos through Facebook, actually. They saw a, I don't know if it was an advertisement or a, a notification about a uh, summer camp that the ship, that the Cienciolos were running for uh, orphans and disabled children. And so the kids headed uh, m- many hours by train to go help out. And that was the beginning of what's become a cross-continental friendship. So after Russia invaded, the Cienciolos quickly sprang into action and they knew they wanted to do something. But they had to change their plans along the way to keep up with shifting U.S. policy. Um, I know that it, it at first you all were going to come to the U.S. through Mexico, right? <laughs> How, can you tell me about what that was like to think you're about to come? Oh. Um, I don't know how Miss Teresa was feeling that time. 
Ну, когда мы сидели в аэропорту Варшавы, он называется аэропорт было очень грустно, что мы не летели. Потеряны все наши билеты, Тресси на телефоне обзванивает все эти самые авиакомпании, жена Мистера Ларри. They originally planned to enter the United States through Mexico, and they had the tickets booked and everything. In April, it all fell apart. The Biden administration announced uniting for Ukraine, which is how tens of thousands more Ukrainian refugees have been able to come to the U.S. But as part of that program, the administration said, We are going to stop accepting people from Mexico. It wasn't so like scary, mm-hmm. yeah. but it was it was hard. Oh, we were, it was heartbreaking. Like, we're all crying. Yeah, yeah. we was like broken. We yeah. left. We took our backpacks and we left all our stuff like that we don't need in the hostel, and we threw out some things and uh, like we had just carried back all metal things in. Nail clippers, everything we left there, and we were sitting, and we like before playing, we booked a hostel for two days, and after that we didn't have nobody and nothing, and nothing to stay, no plans, and we couldn't imagine what will be the next and how long we should stay there and where. The main difficulties our children that they. Need to uh, rest. They need food. Uh, they need uh, home. Home. They toys. The youngers are um, scared and was uh, they missed their toys, their beds. So, for me and for my wife, it was not a big problem. But we we were worried about our children. As they were waiting to get all the paperwork finalized, they were also acutely aware of a looming deadline. And there was so much pressure, you know, the gate was putting so much pressure on them to get, because Yaku was turning 18, and we knew the, the reality of turning 18. Yeah, so if Yaakov had been 18 when the war started, he ultimately would have had to stay in the country. All men of military age are not allowed to leave the country right now. The Shapovalovs made clear to me that doesn't necessarily mean that they're fighting, but it does mean they can't leave. And that's why Yakov's older brother is still in Ukraine. The Shapovalovs applied through the Unite for Ukraine program and recently made it to Vermont. So tell me more about this building, this former nursing home, where you met with both of these families. The former Derby Green nursing home was owned by North Country Hospital in Derby, um, It was a 23-bed facility. It's sort of two properties stitched together. There's an old farmhouse in the front uh, that was added to in the 1980s and even after that. And so it sort of stretches back towards Lake Derby. They'll be here and their bed will be there. The table again will be here and their love seat in the middle. They'll have our fridge in here. So that is their room. And it was a 
couple weeks ago, Friday, you closed? Two weeks ago. 22nd we we put in eight showers in two weeks. Wow. So here we go. Here are, we, here's one of the showers, two of the showers. Underneath these showers, yeah. we actually had a dig because this is all concrete slabs. Yeah, so we found the Teresa said they expected more than 30 people to arrive throughout the month of August. So um, the Kurti family will be here. So family of four. So they will be here on the 19th. We have waited for their documents for two and a half months. A lot of these children have really serious medical needs. Um, Teresa was telling me about a boy with Rett syndrome, which is a neurological condition. Basically, the Cienciolos are outfitting, you know, each family's room to the needs of their children. They're trying to make every room wheelchair accessible and creating um, bathrooms that allow for folks with limited mobility. Already, they're starting to make friends with uh, people uh, at Mass General or Boston Children's who can provide the sort of specialized care that, you know, hospitals in the Northeast Kingdom might not be able to offer. The Shapovalovs were the first to arrive, and they've thrown themselves into this project to help renovate the house and help with paperwork to get other Ukrainian families to Vermont. When Scott and Teresa bought the property, it didn't have any showers, so that's why Demo had his hands full with bathroom renovations when Ethan got there. But also, a whole bunch of people from the surrounding area have stepped up to support this project. Donations seem to be coming from everywhere, but there's also been a lot of volunteering of time, and so there's electricians working after hours or, you know, tradespeople coming on rainy days to put in a few hours. Um, and so it's just a sort of mish mishmash of different folks um, helping out in little ways and big ways. Scott calls them Red Sea moments. And I think the community is looking for a reason to give. Uh, mm -hmm. I think sometimes people like give and like, is it really going to go there? Yeah. People come over. We had like doctor, one local doctors, like when they first came, he's like, well, let me come over. And so he came over and had dinner with us. He's like, I'm going to sponsor your big family. I'm going to sponsor your family of five and gave us enough money, like enough, showed enough money to sponsor the family of five. He's like, what you guys need, I'm going to help you with that. So not only was he willing to be a donor, like a sponsor on page, knowing they're, they're going to come here and go to a place, but he also says, you know, I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you financially with them, you know, until we get on their feet. But I'll tell you, everyone has volunteered at the time. Even the guy who was along called us today and said, listen, somebody, um, somebody gave an anonymous donation to finish mowing your lawn for the, for rest, the rest of the year. year. As for the Shapovalovs, Demo hopes to keep practicing medicine. There are some complicating factors in transferring his credentials to the United States. Teresa, who is also an advanced medic, said she's planning to connect Demo with a local ambulance service. Sasha wants to become a translator. She's been helping others in the house navigate all the different paperwork. So they're all adjusting, and their family recently celebrated Yakov's 18th birthday. He got one of the first presents we gave him was a fishing license. Yeah. We were like, hey, here's a fishing. I think the second day he was here, we brought him a fishing license online. Yeah. So On his birthday, they went out to Lake Willoughby. <laughs> we went fishing twice. We had yeah, huge parties. We just had a great time. Yeah. I got and, big trout. Oh, yes, no, big, big trout. <laughs> Five pounds, 24 inch. Wow. Where, yeah, where where so that was a couple weeks ago. Now that it's September and several more people have moved into the house, I called Teresa to see how things are going. Hello. Hi, is this Teresa? 
She said they've now welcomed 37 people from Ukraine, and they're hoping to find space for more. We're not done. We're, we're opening. We're using both properties, uh, our Albany home and um, this home. But um, but right now it's 37. We're anticipating 10 or 12 more. So Wow, in yeah, September? We're, we're praying about it. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. <laughs> There's also another site that we're considering, not here in the Northeast Kingdom, but that a church is willing to more towards the bigger area that's considering um, housing three or four families with special needs. So we're also looking at that. One of the first things was connecting families and kids with medical care. Some children needed to spend time in the hospital immediately after arriving in the United States. They've had physical therapists, occupational therapists, and nurses come out to the house. Right now, they also have certified teachers coming into the house to help teach English, and they're also working with special ed consultants. Some of the kids will be starting in the local public schools, some will start the school year online, and some are planning to apply to Websterville Christian Academy, an independent school in Barrie. As far as the house itself, construction is now finished. We put in eight uh, showers. Um, we put in a whole new fire smoke alarm sprinkler system. It's brand new. Um, all the electrical, I want to tell you, all these people volunteer. We had a plumber here for two weeks who actually like lived here and put in eight showers free of his, he paid for them and he volunteers complete time with others. Um, our electrician took a week off of work just to run all the smoke fire and all the new um, recepts that we needed. Um, Round Hill um, Security came in with their three guys for a week and a half, volunteered their time, and put in all new fire smoke alarm systems. Um, we just, we got so many volunteers. The whole house has been painted. Uh, wow. <laughs> from, from top to bottom. And so it's, it's been amazing to watch the community come. People we didn't know just showed up and said, hey, we'd like to spend the day painting or helping you do things. Um, we had local. Yeah, local contractors were here day and night, budding and taping, and there's just so many people. We had 15, 20 volunteers a day for a month coming in and out and, and helping get the property ready. It was an amazing collaborative effort, amazing. Talking to Teresa and asking about the past few weeks, one word kept coming up, profound. Um, yesterday we had at least um, four different individuals from the community that stepped over, and then we had two churches here last night just bringing coming over, bringing some desserts, and, and just singing with us. It just, it's been profound. I've never, we've never seen anything like it. And, and just all we can say is that God did it because, you know, we're just two people who are willing. People are just showing up, and they're like, hey, we heard you. People, somebody brought flowers yesterday. It's heard you in the community. We want to welcome you. Hey, I don't have much, but I want to give you some flowers. And she had picked flowers from a garden. And an older woman came in with a cane, and she just had this little, this little offering of a vase of flowers. She said, I can't offer anything, but I just want to welcome you. And it's just, it's been amazing to watch people just come in and just, just say hello and say welcome to our community. And um, it's just, yeah, it's been profound. It's been absolutely, people picking up all, almost every single one in the building. Somebody in the community has picked them up and taken them to Walmart and spent a couple hundred dollars to get them. You know, they come with a backpack and they, all their homes are in Russian occupation. And people are just showing up and saying, you know, let me, let me take them to Walmart and get them, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of clothes. This story was reported by Ethan Weinstein. He's usually covering Windsor County and the surrounding area for VT Digger. You can read more of Ethan's work at vtdigger.org. I also want to shout out that this episode used music by Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening. I'm Riley Robinson. See you soon.